Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So as I have done just about every time that we have opened up our time today, I want to remind you that this series is primarily towards single people, but also adult single people. And so uh, if you have children and you are concerned about the adult content we're going to be talking about today, yeah, I don't want to single you out, but you know, there is, uh, Grace Point Kids is meeting over there. Uh, If it's beyond there and they're just going to, then that's fine. Uh, But we are in part three of our series, uh, Swipe, right? And uh, while this series has been uh, for the last few weeks primarily for single people, Uh, I am again surprised by the number of people who've come up to me, the number of emails that I have gotten from married people who have been listening in uh, to us here live or to listening to us online and have been, you know, very interested and have had lots to say about our series so far. And the whole series is really centered around this one question, and that is, am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? In other words, if I have somebody that I'm looking for, there's a type of person, there's a a person that I could describe as the ideal person for me, not for me, but for you, those of you who are single, because that wouldn't work for me. But are you that person that the person you're looking for is looking for? And the reason that we did this whole uh, series is because I want all of you, those of you who are single, actually even those of you who are married, but I want all of you who are single to have great relationships. And as you think about your future and the future of your relationships, and as as you think about falling in love one day, I want all of you who are single to be excited about getting married someday. And and I know that there are some people who don't want to get married because they've seen their parents' marriage and it was horrible and they don't want anything to do with that. And I have to tell you that it doesn't have to be like that. And there are some of you here whose parents had great marriages, and I want to tell you that your marriage can be just like that. And so one of the other things that we talked about here over the last couple of weeks is that we said that everything that you are doing today, your present, what you're doing right now in your life, in your dating life, all of that will one day become your past. And what we have seen in so many people's lives is that your present, which one day will be your past, will definitely show up in your future. It always does. So what you are doing today, single people, what you are doing today sets you up for success in the future, but it can also set you up for failure. So today, I'm going to let the dad part of me come out. And uh, today, we are going to specifically, as I specifically talk to the single people, today we are going to have the sex talk. Now, someone may have already had the sex talk with you, or at least tried to give you the sex talk. I'm fearful that some of you had the sex talk at school with your classmates. That wasn't the sex talk. But today, I want to specifically address one myth about sex that I think inside we all know, but we never talk about it because it's hard to sell. You see, we believe the myth because the myth sells music. We believe the myth because the myth sells movies. It sells television shows, but the myth isn't true. 
And if you miss that, if you, if you live your life believing that the myth is true, you're setting yourself up for disaster in your relationships. So here is the myth. The myth is that sex is only physical. It's only physical. So as long as no one gets pregnant, no one catches a sexually transmitted disease, if nobody gets hurt, then go ahead and have at it, have a great time, because it's just physical. And it's not. And we all know that. We may not want to talk about it, we may not want to admit it, but we know it. Intuitively, we know it. Sex is not just physical. And what we are going to talk about today, what we're going to see today, is that if you treat sex as physical, you're only going to hurt yourself. And if you treat sex as only physical, then one day when you get married, you're going to hurt your spouse. And then it will be too late. So single people, you need to hear this. There are married people that you know that are dealing with the consequences of the bad sexual decisions that many of them made, and they don't even understand how it relates to what's happening in their marriage today. They don't understand the connection between how they lived their life when they were single and how it's affecting them today that they're married. So for your sake, I want to help you make that connection. Now, to bring this all together and for us to all get on the same page so that we, we're understanding this and, and kind of get a feel for this together and that we can all be in agreement on it, I want to ask you some questions. Now, I didn't come up with these questions, and I wasn't sure if this was really the best route to go, because I know that these questions for some might bring up a painful past, and they might bring up things that we don't want to think about, things that we haven't thought about in a long time, or maybe things that we've never thought about. And I want you to know that the only purpose for asking them at all is so that we can all together understand the gravity of a simple idea that has been lost in our culture today. And that is that sex is not just physical. It is so deeply connected to our soul and to who we are that you can't even imagine the damage that it can cause. And I don't want you to have to deal with that. Single people, I don't want you to have to do that, and you don't have to do that. So we're going to go through these questions. Question number one. If sex is only physical, why is it that when children are sexually abused, that when they become adults and realize what was done to them and the effect that it had on their life, that they find it very difficult or even impossible to put it behind them? If it was just physical. Why is it that they, they can't seem to get past it? And, and psychologists will want to come in and they'll say, well, no, that's really just the betrayal of an authority figure. And it's not. I am an authority figure. I have many times promised my children something and I didn't live up to it. No comments, I'm the back row. <laughs> it's more than that. There is something about it. And people who have experienced it have trouble getting past it. Question number two. If sex is only physical, why is rape so much more devastating to a woman than simply being beaten up? I mean, if sex is only physical, then it should be the same thing, right? And yet, why do women report being physically beaten so much easier 
but they feel like they have to carry the guilt and the shame of rape through their entire life. They keep it secret sometimes for their entire life. I mean, if it's just physical, then what's the difference? If sex is only physical, then why is it that men with the deepest sexual issues usually have uninvolved or missing fathers? What's the connection? Why is it that, that men who fall into sexual addiction, and I'm not talking about guys who just like it a lot. I'm talking about the kind of addiction that destroys marriages, it destroys families, it destroys careers. Why are people who have sexual, men especially who have sexual addiction, why is it that there's a connection between that addiction and an uninvolved or absent father? What's the connection? Why is it that the people who have the deepest regrets, when they come and talk to me or talk to a counselor, when they're talking about this and they say, hey, listen, I want to meet because, because I want to talk to you about something that I've never told anyone before, I can almost guarantee you that when it starts out with that, that it's something related to sex. It's never, you know, when they say, I, I want to talk to you about something, and, and it's a secret I've kept, and I've never shared it with anybody. It's never, you know, 10 years ago, I was at the mall, I was backing out of my parking space, I hit the car behind me, and I didn't leave a note. That's never the story. It's always something when they say, I've never told anybody about this before. It's almost always something about sex. Because sexuality and your sexual behavior is not just physical. The culture around us wants to make it physical. They want to make it casual and simple and fun. But when we, when we treat sex as just physical, we end up hurting ourselves. Now, if you're a Christian, what we believe is, is that God created sexuality to make it deeper than physical. It's not supposed to be just an expression of love. Sexuality is supposed to be an expression of intimacy. And when you share intimacy with someone, you know them and you are fully known by them. It's not just physical. That's one of the things that makes it so intense, is because you know the other person. In fact, when you engage in sexual behaviors, you see parts of the other person that they've never seen before. You're known and fully known by them. And again, if you're a Christian and you believe in Scripture's account of creation, then you, know, you have to think about this, that, that some point during creation, God has this great idea and he decides to create sex. So he creates sex and he gives it to the animals. He gives it to the dogs and he gives it to the cats, to the horses and the cows. He gives it to all of the animals and then... He gives it to us, but he decides that for us, he is going to take sex and sexuality to a whole nother level. Sex and sexuality isn't just going to be about making more people. It's going to be about creating an experience that is going to reflect the relationship that God wants to have with us. It's going to be the ultimate expression of intimacy. It's going to be passionate. It's going to be deep. It's going to be an I know everything about you. You know everything about me. No fear of exposure. No fear of criticism. No fear of comparison. A coming together that will be like nothing else you've ever experienced. 
And God is telling us, it's going to be powerful, so be careful. And it's going to be fragile, so be careful. And he creates this thing for us, and he gives it to us. And even though it's powerful, it's also fragile, which means that it can be broken. And single people, you know married people who broke this. You know married people who have abused this. You know men who have completely detached the act of sex with the intimacy that it's supposed to create. And now that they're married, these men can't find intimacy in the act. You know women who no longer feel the intimacy that was designed to go with sex. So they wonder what's wrong with them. And then they wonder what's wrong with their husband. And then they come to this brilliant decision that we talked about last week and the week before. And they, they come to this decision that the problem is, is that they married the wrong person. And so they go out and try to find the right person. Because they believe that if I can just find the right person, if I can find my soulmate, then everything is going to be okay. And the crazy thing is, is that the cycle will repeat itself over and over and over again. And it's all because when they were younger, when they were single, when they were dating, nobody told them that sex is not just physical. And so they live their life thinking that I can do whatever I want with my body and I can let other people do whatever they want with my body. And one day I'll finally meet the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with and I'll just be able to shut it off. I'll be able to wave a magic wand and alakazam, everything will be all right. And they were wrong. And they ended up hurting themselves, and they ended up hurting each other. Now, listen, single people, it doesn't have to be like that for you. It doesn't have to be like that for you. You can get this right. You can take this powerful yet fragile thing that God created for you, and, and if you handle it with care, you'll be able to experience an absolutely incredible and absolutely beautiful relationship with another person. You'll be, you'll be able to experience what God intended when he created sex and sexuality. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise that Scripture gives us guidelines for this. Thousands of years ago, the Apostle Paul wrote to a culture that in many ways was very similar to ours, and, and you may have missed what he had to say. In, in fact, you may have grown up in church and have listened to these verses, and you may never have had someone explain it to you this way. Maybe your parents missed the opportunity to show you what he had to say. But the scriptures tell us why it's so important and why it's so fragile. And now listen, if you are listening to us today, if you're here today, if you're listening to us online and you're not a Christian, then I understand that what your initial instinct is, is that you want to push back on this. You're going to think, well, that's really a religious thing. It really doesn't matter to me. And listen, I get that. But there's one thing I want you to keep in mind. Historically, religion has never been in favor of sex exclusively within marriage. Did you get that? Historically, religion has celebrated all kinds of sex and sexual rituals. In fact, most man-made religions have always been created around sexuality. Now, when Moses went up to the mountain and, and, and he was going up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, to get the law of God, when he looked down on the mountain, every other culture around where they were had sex as a part of their religious observances. 
There was no concept then of one man, one woman. In fact, if they would have talked about that idea of one man, one woman, they would have been laughed at. So think about it, okay? Let's say that Moses made up the whole thing. And you're Moses, guys, you're Moses. And you've made up this whole thing and you tell everybody that you're going up the mountain to get God's law. And everybody believes you, right? They're thinking, man, this guy is going to bring us God's law. So you're up on the mountain and and you're ready to, to, to come down with it. Now, what are you going to put in the law about sex? You wouldn't have written what Moses wrote, right? See, most guys, if we were going to write the law about sex, it would go something like this. Well, I'm the leader, right? He's Moses. He's the leader. He's kind of like the parent of everybody. And so I need to be, be like the father, so which means I get to do a lot of fathering, you know? And he would have done what every other cult leader that you've ever heard of has done. And that is that he would have come up with a rule that would allow the leader or a group of men inside the group to have sex with multiple women. And in every culture where men are allowed to have sex with multiple women, women are treated like they're just stuff. It's true back then, and it is true today. But when Moses came down the mountain with God's law, it said, one man, one woman for life. And then years later, Jesus would come and he would say the same thing. One man, one woman for life. And then came Paul who would go into the cities like Philippi and and Ephesus and Corinth to people with Roman backgrounds and to people with Greek backgrounds. and, And he would look at how these brand new Christians were living in these cities and and how they were handling their sexuality. And it hit him. No one has ever told them. So Paul writes a letter to the group of Christians, this small group of Christians in the big city of Corinth, a big city where prostitution in the temples was a very common practice. And he says, listen, I know this is not something that you want to hear, but I have to explain to you what God had in mind when he designed this powerful yet fragile thing called sexuality. So we're going to look at what he wrote. If you want to follow along with me, we're going to be in the book 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles and you crack it open down the middle, you're going to go slightly to the right and you'll find 1 Corinthians. Otherwise, we're going to put them on the screen so that you can follow along. This is Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. And Paul says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't say resist it. He doesn't say fight through it. He says flee. Run. Flee is the word that we use when the volcano is erupting and and the lava is coming at us. That's flee. And he's saying flee. In the next chapter, he would define sexual immorality as sex outside of marriage. So he's saying flee sexual immorality. And then he says this. Every other sin a person commits. And Paul is trying to tell us what we just discovered when we asked those questions in the beginning. He's going to tell us something that if we are willing to admit it deep inside us, we already know. From 2,000 years ago, Paul is telling us that sexual sin is different from every other sin. Not because God will judge you harder. Not because God hates it more. Not because God won't forgive you or won't love you. Paul is saying that sexual sin is different than every other sin 
because of how deeply it hurts you. And in many cases, the other person too. He says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But, sexual, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Here's what Paul is saying, and here's what God needs us to know, is that when you sin sexually, you hurt yourself. When you sin sexually, you hurt yourself. And it's not just a surface hurt. It is a deep, deep hurt. So deep that oftentimes it's a hurt that a person carries with them throughout their entire lives. And this incredibly powerful yet incredibly fragile thing that has the power to make your marriage strong and tight and unbreakable also has the power when you ignore God's design to destroy a marriage, to destroy a family, and to derail your future. No other type of sin has the ability to keep dishing out the ongoing consequences throughout your life like sexual sin. And he's writing this because many people in that culture, like many people in our culture, just didn't know. In verse 16, he says, and he's writing to the Corinthians here, and it's important to know that because he says this, or do you not know? That was the whole problem, because they didn't know. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Now, when the Corinthians read this, they looked at that little Greek word there that, that, that in English is translated as joined, and they said, hold on a second, hold on. No one is being joined here. This isn't a joining, this is just sex. And you see, that, that little Greek word joined has a much deeper meaning. I, was, uh, I spent uh, 15 years, me and my family, we spent 15 years living in the South. And uh, one of the things that I grew to love in the South was grits. Have you ever had grits? Yes. Grits are great. And the best way to have them is with lots of butter and to crack a... Um, a, a it's not soft-boiled, but like a really, really runny, sunny-side-up egg in it. You know, where the, the, the yolk is moist and drippy, and you just mix it all up with the butter and the, and the salt right in there. I mean, there are a few things in the world that are as good as that. Yeah. We should have that for lunch one day. See, the thing is, though, is that once you crack that egg in there and start mixing it around... You can never separate the egg from the grits. That's what that word joined means. That's the implication. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying it's not just an act. You are joined. You are bonded. You are intertwined. You are inseparable. The bond is permanent. And Paul was telling these guys, look, when you go down to the temple to have sex with the prostitutes and you think it's just sex, it's not. Because they would go down there, they'd pay a fee, they'd go through the religious ritual, and then they'd get to have sex with a prostitute. And they would think that that was all that there is, and they would think, okay, I'm done, that's it, and that ain't it. See, people think that because they don't understand sex. They don't understand that there's a joining, there's a, there's a bonding. It's like eggs and grits. You can't separate it. 
And it's something that runs so deep into your soul because that's how God designed it to be. And so when you become one with one, but then become one with another one and become one with another one, you lose the ability to create and maintain the intimacy. You lose the ability to experience what God intended you to experience in that act. And when you disconnect sex from intimacy, especially for women, you become numb. And women will wonder why their husband can't bring out that emotional experience for them. And they'll wonder what's wrong with him. And they won't recognize that maybe it's because they've damaged something so fragile inside themselves that it's going to take a long time, sometimes even a lifetime, to repair. And single people, I, 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 I want you to get this because I want you to know that you don't have to go through this. That's why I'm talking to you about this today. Paul goes on to explain what he's saying in verse 16. He says this, For as it is written. And so what Paul is going to do now is he's going to reach back into the Scriptures. He's going to reach back to the first time that sex is ever mentioned in the Scriptures. The first time that it's described. And he says, For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. One flesh. That's intimacy. That's two people joining together. That's eggs and grits. It's inseparable. And some of you I know, listen, a few years ago, if I would have heard what I'm saying, I would have already tuned me out. Because I know our reaction in this culture is to say, come on, it's just sex. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And listen, I get why you think that. But whether you agree with what I'm saying or not, the one thing that we all know, the one thing that you know in your heart that is true, is that sex is not just physical. It's not. There's something more to it. And your Father in heaven, who said to Moses, who, who said through Jesus, who said to Paul, and is saying to you and me today something that we all know, and that is that sex is not just physical. It connects us at the very deepest parts of our soul. And then Paul takes a turn and, and he, he addresses the Christians in the room. And, and so if you're a Christian, this is Paul talking directly to you. He says this. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now, Christians, we've heard this before, right? My mom used to tell me this when she said, don't eat so much candy. Come on, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Stop eating that junk. You've heard it, but do we really understand what he's saying? Do we really understand that, that, that our body is not just our body? That the Holy Spirit inhabits it dwells, it, the Holy Spirit, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside you. He goes on to say, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. To Christians, he's telling us that our body is not ours. If you're a Christian, then what you believe is that we belong to God. All of us. Not all of us, but all of us. 
every part of who we are, because we've been bought, we've been paid for, we have been redeemed. Someone paid a price for you. And so Paul says, because you were bought with a price, he says this in verse 20, so because you were bought with a price, because you were are the temple where the Holy Spirit has moved in and is now living. He says in verse 20, So glorify God with your, in your body. Glorify. Bring glory. Another word that, that maybe makes a little bit more sense for us is honor. Honor God. He's telling us that's the standard right there. Honor God. Do you want to know how to handle your sexuality and your sexual behavior? You ask God. The single people, listen, if you are a single person, then you say, God, listen, as a single person, as a student, as, a, as an employee, as a single person living in the Bay Area in 2018, as a single person living in, in a culture that celebrates casual sex, how do I handle my sexuality and my sexual behavior in a way that honors God? Now, listen, I get that this bumps up right against our culture today. And there are two cultural beliefs that specifically I want to talk about, and we'll only talk about them real quick. First, someone might say, look, that may be how you think, but I'm not you. That may be how the church thinks, but I don't go to church. That may be how Christians think, but I'm not a Christian. And so for me, you have to understand that sexuality and my sexual behavior, well, it's just a personal preference. But listen, if it was just a personal preference, then there wouldn't be predictable consequences. It was just a personal preference. There wouldn't be predictable consequences. Listen, art is a preference. The movies you like to see is a preference. The, the music that you like to listen to is a preference. We can make different choices about art and movies and music, but there are no consequences. There is no predictable outcome. See, sex is really more like food. You may prefer to eat fatty foods and sugary foods, but there's a predictable outcome. Or you can eat more fruits and vegetables and lean meats, and there's a predictable outcome. See, we can make different choices, but we are designed so that there's a specific outcome, whether we choose one way or the other. And what you need to understand is that sex is not a matter of preference. It is a matter of divine design. God created us, He created sex, and He created it and designed it to work a certain way. And if you don't follow that way, then there are consequences. The second belief is this, and, and some of you might, this fun, might find this funny, but the second belief that culture tells us is that practice makes perfect, right? Practice makes perfect. Seriously, there, there are people who believe this when it comes to, to sex. And some of you might think that, you know what, the more sexual partners that you have, the better at sex that you're going to be, and then when you get married, you'll both have practiced so much that you'll be like, wow, this is amazing. I am so glad that you practiced so much before we met. And then your partner's going to say, wow, you are so amazing. I am so glad that you practiced so much before we met. I mean, we are so good at this now. We should, like, try out for the Olympics. This is awesome. See, that never happens. 
And you laugh and you think it sounds stupid, but, but let me tell you, there are many people in our culture and maybe even many people in this room today who think that if I could just, if I'm going to be good at this sex stuff, I need to get some practice in because I don't want to look stupid. So let me give you some advice from somebody who is 26 years on the other side of marriage. Look stupid. Look stupid. Even if you have to fake it, look stupid. Listen, sex isn't like riding a bike or playing a piano. It's not something that you have to figure out. You can never ever take one single lesson, watch one single movie, read one single book about sex, and eventually you're going to figure it out. And the figuring it out part is pretty fun. You can get good at sex without practicing with other people. And you see, the people who believe these two myths ignore one truth. And, and single people, if you're listening to me, you've got to listen to this. Because this one truth is the, can make the difference in your marriage. This is the one truth that if you can just grab onto, is going to make a difference in all of your relationships and in the one relationship that you want it to count the most. And it is this. Romance and marriage is fueled by exclusivity, not by practice, not by being good at it. Romance and marriage is fueled by exclusivity, and exclusivity is not a skill that you develop. Exclusivity is saying, I've waited for you and you've waited for me, now we can figure it out together. Exclusivity is saying, I've been praying for you and I've been waiting for you. Even before I knew what you looked like, I was praying for you. Exclusivity is saying, I give all of me to all of you. That's a good song. Somebody should write that song. Exclusivity fuels romance and marriage. Not practice, not experience. All of that is just a lie. Listen, practice just gives the two of you something to compare each other to. Practice gives you something to compare each other to. And I am telling you, 26 years on the other side of the I do's, that getting practice in is not an advantage in your relationship. Because romance and marriage on your wedding night and romance and marriage 26 years later is still fueled by exclusivity. You know what fuels romance in marriage? It's when a husband goes away on a business trip and, and you know what he was like before you got married and you expect his behavior to continue after you get married and so you don't have to worry about it. It's when your wife is out with her girlfriends and you know what she was like before you got married and you expect her behavior to continue after you get married and so you don't have to worry. Exclusivity builds and fuels romance in your marriage. And if that is true, then what would we expect the God who designed us to say to us about marriage? Would you expect him to say, listen, yeah, go off. Have as much sex as you want with as many people as you want. And listen, one day you're going to find the right person and you'll suddenly be able to turn it off just like that. And suddenly you'll be able to be committed and satisfied and happy with just one person. Is that what he would say? 
So is it any wonder then that there are so many people in our culture today that are unfulfilled in their marriages when they have done so much to numb the intimacy before they got married? Now, you know, when, when, when I come up here and, and, and give a message like this, I, I know that there's a lot of different things going on with people. You know, some people are, are listening to this and, and, and there's someone that you wish you knew was here to listen to it, right? Some of you husbands and wives have sore ribs, again, from someone knocking you and saying, hey, listen to that, right? There's some of you who wish you had heard this years before. And some of you feel glad that you made the right decisions. So single people, listen, there are two things that I am suggesting that you do to take what we've talked about here today and to put it into practice in your life. Two things. Two questions, really, that you want to answer or two, two things that you have to do. I can't remember what I said. Did I say two questions? Two questions to ask. Okay. And what's the first question? Determine the story you want to tell. So just for a moment, let's just say that my grammar is wrong because that's not a question. <laughs> All right? The first thing is this. There's two things. Single people. The first thing is this. Determine the story that you want to tell. Now listen, one day you are going to meet someone that you are going to want to spend the rest of your life with. And when you meet that person, someday after you meet them, you are going to have a story to tell. And what I am telling you is that you need to decide ahead of time the story that you want to tell and then live your life in such a way that you will be able to tell that story. Because everybody has a story to tell. And men, listen, every woman is going to want to hear your story. Every one of them. And when you find the person that you want to marry, it is only natural for us to want to hear their story. Now listen, I can't even tell you the number of married people that I've talked to who have run into problems because they either lied or their partner lied about their story. They didn't tell them the real story. You know why they lied? Because they didn't like their story, so they made one up. They, they couldn't tell their partner their real story because they were afraid that this person that they loved, if they knew who they really were, wouldn't love them back. And they were afraid to lose them. And so they lied. And the lie always comes out. So single people, decide today what your story is going to be. And then live your life so that you can tell the story that you want to tell. Listen, really, there are only a couple of stories you can tell. You know, the, the, one story is this. You know, I, I lost my virginity in high school, uh, in college, I dated around, I, I had sex with my boyfriend. I didn't. But I mean, this is what somebody would be saying. You just want to be clear on that, right? So another one in college, right? I moved in together with one guy and then... and and. Listen, sex has just always been a part of my dating life. But now, now that I've met you, I'm so in love with you, I want to spend the rest of my life to you, and I am ready to commit 
all of me, all of you, I'm ready to go. That's one story. Here's another story. When I was in high school or when I was in college, I, I, I messed around. I, I made mistakes. I, I didn't know better. My parents never told me. So I've had sex. I've even lived with someone before. But one day I went to this church, and I can't even remember the name of the church, and there was this guy up there, and he was in a sweater vest of all things. And he was standing up there, and he was talking about all this stuff that I had never heard before. But while I was there, while I was listening, there was something inside me that just started to well up. And deep inside, I knew that everything that he was saying was true. And on that day, I decided that my story was going to be different. On that day, I decided that I was going to learn to honor God with my body. On that day, I decided that no matter how difficult it was going to be, no matter how strange it was going to feel, no matter how lonely it would feel sometimes, I'm going to honor God with my body when it comes to sex. And if that's your story, one day you will be able to tell your future wife or your future husband, you'll be able to tell them that story. And then you're going to be able to tell them this. After you tell them that whole story, you know, with the guy in the sweater vest, you can look them in the eye and you can tell them this. And from that day forward, I prepared for you. From that day forward, I saved myself for you. I reserved my love and my affection and my body for you. From that day forward, I dated with you in mind. I learned to honor God with my body before we got married so that I'll be able to honor God with my body after we get married. I learned discipline and self-control before we got married so that I will have discipline and self-control after we get married. You'll be able to say to that person from that day forward, I prepared for you. Now listen, if you are single, isn't that the story that you want to tell? And here's the better thing. Listen, single people, when you finally meet the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, isn't that the story that you want to hear? So if you want to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for, then choose your story and then live it out. The second thing is this. Decide ahead of time what honoring God with your body looks like. Now listen, deciding ahead of time is like budgeting. When you set a budget, you set a limit on what you can spend, and then you go out and make choices based on your budget. And you need to set a sexual budget. You need to know where your limits are. I'm not going to buy that because it's not in my budget. I'm not going to do that because it's not in my budget. And you need to decide ahead of time what you're willing to spend when it comes to your body. Now, see, the mistake that we all have the potential, many of us have already made, and you don't have to make, but the mistake always comes like this, is that we think that we can stop just before we go too far. 
Many of you have gone out on dates and you think, I'm not going to go too far with him. I'm not going to go too far with her. I know when we'll get there and then I will stop. And listen, you can't see when you're almost too far. You can't. The only time that anybody knows when they've gone too far is when they look over their shoulder and they see that too far was way back there and they're way past it by then. And by that time you're saying, well, whatever. And you've already just let everything go. So you need to decide ahead of time because you can't decide in the moment. And you can't decide with someone else helping you to decide. You've got to decide for yourself. Now, listen, I'm not dumb. I was in my 20s once. And I know listening to something like this makes you feel like that, man, this God guy is really asking me to sacrifice a lot, right? But single people, I, I want you to get this because this is something that we understand in every other area of our lives. But we, for some reason, don't apply it when it comes to sex and sexuality. And it is this, giving up something good now for something better later is not a sacrifice. It is an investment. And when you make the decision to set moral standards and every time that you apply those standards, you aren't making a sacrifice. Listen, every time you say no, you are saying yes. Every time you feel like you're making a sacrifice, you are making an investment. You're making an investment in your future. You're making an investment in your marriage. You are making an investment in your future spouse. Giving up something good now for something better later is not a sacrifice. We do it all the time because it's an investment. So as we close our time together today, I know there's some of you who are thinking, and maybe some of you who are listening to us online, and you're sitting there and you've got your headphones on and you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, so where does this leave me? I mean, it's too late. I've done too much. I've gone too far. See, I want this to be a message of hope for you. Because today you have the opportunity to start over. Today you have the opportunity to decide in advance. Today you have the opportunity to make different choices. And if you take that opportunity, then one day you will be able to sit across from your future wife or your future husband and reach for their hand and reflect back on today and you'll be able to look them in the eye and, and with a joyful heart and a smile on your face you'll be able to tell them about today and you'll say from that day forward I prepared for you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.